When Muriel McQuilkin was first diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, it meant a dramatic reordering of priorities for the McQuilkins. Eventually, her husband Robertson stepped down from his role as the president of Columbia Bible College and Seminary. A student asked me one time, after I had resigned, a new student came over and visited me. He said, do you miss being president? And I said, well, you know, I never thought about it. But no, I don't. I like my assignment. I've learned to cook and keep house and garden, and I take care of Muriel. I love it. This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. Robertson McQuilkin's life changed when his wife Muriel was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, but his priorities didn't. Stay tuned. Welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. I remember the first time I read the story of Robertson and Muriel McQuilkin. It was in an article, I think, in Christianity Today. And I remember thinking, that's that's powerful. That's a, a great demonstration of commitment mm-hmm. and love. Mm-hmm. You remember reading the same article, I don't do. you? I do. I, I wept as I read it. I mean, it's just a great story of a man's covenant commitment to his wife. And Bob, if there has ever been a day when there needed to be stories like this told on radio, it's today Mm. because we have diminished marriage in terms of its covenant and its commitment and what love means to such a degree. Well, divorce has replaced it all. And, And I think as a result, as a nation, we suffer from a profound mistrust of one another because we can't trust each other to keep the most sacred promise two people ever make to one another. This week, we're giving our listeners an opportunity to hear an interview that we recorded actually a number of years ago, almost nine years ago now, with Dr. Robertson McQuilkin. This is one of our all-time favorites. It's a classic because it is such a profound love story. It really is. Uh, Robertson McQuilkin he is an international speaker. He's written a number of books. He served as an international church planning missionary for uh, more than 12 years in Japan and was president of Columbia International University for 22 years before he resigned in 1990. And you know, that's the story, Bob. He resigned because he wanted to go home and take care of his wife of then more than 40 years, Muriel, uh, who was suffering from Alzheimer's disease. And after we read the article... We contacted Columbia and asked them if there was any audio recording of his resignation speech. And uh, we're going to play an excerpt from that, and then we'll pick up with part two of our conversation we had nine years ago with Dr. Robertson McQuilkin. And as you listen to this recording, this is less than two minutes long, but I want you to listen to the resolute commitment of a man to his wife. This is some of the most profound audio you'll ever hear. I haven't in my life experienced easy decision-making on major decisions, but uh, one of the simplest and clearest decisions I've had to make is this one, because circumstances dictated it. Uh, Muriel, now, uh, in the last couple of months, 
seems to be almost happy when with me and almost never happy when not with me. In fact, she seems to feel trapped, becomes very fearful, sometimes almost terror. And when she can't get to me, there can be anger. She's in distress. But when I'm with her, she's happy and contented. And so I must be with her at all times. And you see, it's not only that I promised in sickness and in health till death do us part. And I'm a man of my word. But as I have said, I don't know with this group, but I've said publicly, it's the only fair thing she sacrificed for me for 40 years to make my life possible. So, if I cared for her for 40 years, I'd still be in debt. However, there's much more. It's not that I have to, it's that I get to. I love her very dearly, and you can tell it's not easy to talk about. She's a delight. It's a great honor to care for such a wonderful person. That uh, powerful, moving announcement has as much power today as it did when it was originally made. And Dennis, I'm sitting here watching the man who made it, and uh, it's moving for him to hear his own words 10 years later. That's right. Uh, Robertson McQuilkin joins us on the broadcast. And uh, Robertson, I've, I've got to tell you, as I listen to your words, <clears throat> maybe it's because I'm meeting you for face-to-face, but uh, every time I hear those words, I get, uh, I get emotional because this is where life makes up its mind at home. It's 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 a man keeping his word with his wife, and uh, those were words back in 1990. But we now have an, a, a decade that has followed where you have put shoe leather to those words, as you did resign and as you did step away from being the president of a of a seminary and college that you loved, that you profoundly served in and for a number of years and had a great ministry. You had a speaking ministry around the country. You had a writing ministry, and you you gave that up to go Mm -hmm. care for your wife. And um, as one who is a a younger man aspiring to be a covenant keeper, and on behalf of many of the male listeners, and for that matter, Bob, many of the female listeners too, I'd like to say thank you. Thank you for doing what you did. You did the right thing. Well, if God can use it, then I praise him. It seems very unexceptionable to me, just the natural thing to do. But uh, thank you. As you listen back, and I know you haven't heard that resignation announcement. It's not something that you play in your car stereo from time to time. It had to bring back that memory the, of being in front of the students, of, of making what you, you described there as an easy decision. And yet for a man to walk away from something you've invested your life in for more than two decades, um, it may have been an easy decision, but a hard process to have to make it, wasn't it? Well, someone asked me when I began to make career plans. 
And I said, no, no, I've never been career-oriented. It's cause-oriented. <laughs> the touchstone for me always has been how can I, whatever God has put in me or will put in me, invested in me, how can that count to the max for what he's up to in the world? Mm-hmm. So all decisions then, major decisions in my life, have been what would advance the cause. What is God's will is another way to put it. Mm-hmm. So when I say simple, I mean it was not hard for me to discern what God's will was. But, and people think it must be so difficult, but actually, uh, even on the emotional side, I, look, I didn't look back with any regrets at all. I enjoyed the new life that God. All I had to do, know is, what is God's assignment for me now? And it was pretty easy to discern because I'd made a promise and because I loved her and she needed me. So, great. Now let's get on with this assignment. But I, I, st- I have to stop you again, though. To move, as you described, going from one chapter of your life to another, mm-hmm. moving from what God's will was in the 70s and the 80s as you led a a growing Bible college and seminary and saw men and women equipped, sent to the mission field, sent out in the pastorate. There's excitement. There's a a thrill in all of that, isn't there? Oh, very exciting. And then to one day stand up. And you have lots of dreams. And there's lots of applause. Right. Okay. Now one day you stand up and say, I've discerned God's will for the next 10 years, and there's not going to be the same level of excitement and applause and thrill, and I'm going home. It can be even more challenging, actually. Maybe not the same excitement in the sense of the exhilaration of a great vision and seeing it come to pass, but, yeah. A student asked me one time after I had resigned, a new student came over and visited me. He said, do you miss being president? And I said, well, you know, I never thought about it. But no, I don't. I like my assignment. I've learned to cook and keep house and garden, and I take care of Muriel. I love it. So that night, before I went to sleep, I thought about his question. And I said, now, Lord, this is fine. This is your assignment, and I like it. But if the coach puts the player on the bench, and it means he doesn't need him in the game. Now, you are under no obligation to tell me, Lord, but if you'd like to share with me, I'd love to know why you didn't need me in the game. And I had a troubled night that night. The next morning, at that time, Muriel could still walk, sort of wobbly, but she, so we'd take a walk out in the neighborhood, and I'd have to hold her hand to be sure she wouldn't fall. We were walking along a narrow sidewalk with a high embankment on one side and a very busy thoroughfare on the other. And fortunately, we never met anybody there. or Somebody would have to get out in that traffic. But this day, I heard footsteps behind me and looked back, and here was a local derelict weaving along behind us. I said, well, he'll never catch up. But he did, and he just sort of wobbled out into the traffic and back up in front of us. And he turned around and looked at us, up and down. And then he said, I like that. I really like that. That's good. That's real good. And then he turned around and off down the street in front of us, mumbling to himself, that's good, that's good, I likes it. Well, we got back to our yard and sitting there in the garden, 
and I was chuckling over, you know, I'm happy for the affirmation. Hmm. Good. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I said to myself, or who knows, <laughs> I said, God, could you talk through a half inebriated old derelict? And I said, yes. <laughs> it's God that says, I like that. <laughs> and Lord, if you like it, that's all I need. Yeah. You know, I read that story, and and I thought, isn't it interesting how God can could use such an unlikely source? If he could speak through a donkey, mm-hmm. he could speak through a man mm-hmm. who's drunk. So you don't have any sense as a result that you're on the bench, that you're on the sidelines. Yeah, I do have a great sense that he didn't need me in that game but I never did think I was essential anyway you know in the big scope of things what is my little contribution God doesn't need me in your resignation speech you said I've not often experienced easy decision making but this one's been simple yeah there had to be people around you who said Robertson we'll we'll find a way to deal with this we need you in this seminary the results of you leaving the seminary could be catastrophic. Yeah. We'll find a way to take care of Muriel for you. You stay put. Did you have that kind of oh, counsel? Oh, yeah. Yeah, dear friends and wise and godly people. They said so, but I didn't have to believe them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would say it would be a step down. You would say it would be a step up, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's a good idea. Hmm. It's, it's not been easy loving Muriel since that time. I mean, you share a story about how um, Muriel had an accident near the toilet and you were cleaning up the toilet yeah. and you lost it with her. Yeah. You're saying that I had a, have not always acted in love. I didn't say that. You wrote about it. <laughs> yeah, I understand, but that's what, that's what your question was. <laughs> what happened that day in the, in the bathroom? Well, that was back when we hadn't gone to diapers, and she was still we tried to make it in time to the toilet, but she hadn't made it. So I was kneeling there trying to clean up the mess, and she kept trying to help and making matters worse and kept moving her feet and her legs, and I said, stand still, and she didn't stand still. So just that short temper, I just slapped her on the calf. Not really a hard slap. But she was startled, as befuddled as she was. She was startled because it had never happened before. I'd never touched her. And it startled me. Hmm. And I just dropped there on my knees in that mess and pled with her for forgiveness. Well, she couldn't understand words any more than she could speak them. But uh, I pled with her forgiveness, and then I decided I'd better turn to the Lord, and I cried out to him to forgive me. Robertson, you know that a man, there's great fulfillment in in your work mm. when you're employed vocationally, when you're doing what you feel like God called you to do and what he gifted you to do. Mm. There's a sense of reward and accomplishment and fulfillment. To make a decision to lay that aside and go home and do what God's calling you to do now, it's got to feel a little bit like being moved out of your your natural gifting and strength to the sidelines. Like you said, there there have to be days when you go, I want to be back in the hunt. Yes, but 
Remember, Bob, I didn't think up that question. It never occurred to me until that freshman asked me. That got me on that track to thinking just the one night mm-hmm. until God gave me the answer the next morning. So, no, I, I didn't really. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe occasionally when decisions are made in the school that uh, I wouldn't have made that way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm thinking, Bob, of, of how – by all practical um, observations, uh, to the to the average human being, you'd think he here's a man who has been sidelined, mm-hmm. and yet, if you think about it, his story has been told to more people. Mm-hmm. We've shared it here on the broadcast, probably two or three times, right. to several million people. We have shared it at Family Life Marriage Conferences. It's been shared at uh, Promise Keepers event. I, I know personally that I've shared it at Promise Keepers event with more than 60,000 men at Texas Stadium a number of years ago. And and then again in Colorado Springs uh, to another 10, 12,000 men. And Robertson, when I read that story the first time, I got on the phone and I called Barbara. And Bob, I could tell this story right now, but instead... I wonder if uh, we couldn't go to a clip where Barbara shares what her response was when I told her your story, Robertson, and uh, read her your words of resigning from from Columbia Bible College and Seminary to go home and care for your wife, Muriel. Mm -hmm. I was standing in the laundry room, and I was ironing. Tina's called. He called on the phone and he read me that story. And I stood there and I was watering the clothes. <laughs> like I'm watering the notes right now. And um, he said, Should I tell that story? And I said, Yes. But I said, I just have one question. There's not a woman in this room who doesn't want to know the answer to that question. There's not a woman in this room who doesn't need to hear from her husband, yes, I will love you like that. That is a demonstration of commitment and of covenant. It's what we were made for. It's what we long for. It's what we need. God built it in us. Robertson, as um, Barbara was retelling that story, I I still remember where I was standing when I called her, and and, um, I was unprepared for her question. It really caught me off guard. Imagine. You've, You've told the story a number of times. This is what women want to know, isn't it? You know, I've um, not told the story a great many times, but I have written about it. And what you have said has happened over and over again. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that same scenario. But unlike your scenario, often as it's reported to me, 
his response is, don't put me on the spot. Sometimes it's half jest. Often it's dead serious. Well, when Barbara asked me the question, I was stunned for a moment. I mean, I was sharing a story, and it was obviously um, emotional for me to share it. Her emotional response, first of all, took me off guard. And I remember saying to her, yes, with God as my witness, I, um, I would hope I would be that man. And he is the one who enables, isn't he? I'm looking across the table at you, and you've shared over the past couple of days, he has been the one who has enabled you to make that commitment. Mm. There's a verse that I've been wanting to share over the past couple of days on the broadcast that I want to read here. It's found in uh, Job chapter 23, verses 10 through 12. But he knows the way I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his path. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. When you think about hunger, whether it's ambition, whether it's career or a job and what we would characterize as success in life. This book, the Bible, this talks about how to live in the blessing, how to live life as God designed it. And when you step outside of it, when you break your promise, you're stepping outside of that blessing. You're a blessed man today because you have stayed within the confines of the commands of this book and you are attempting to live life according to his word. Well, I am blessed, that I will say. Not that I deserve it, but I am blessed. Well, that's uh, part two of a conversation recorded back in 1999 with Dr. Robertson McQuilkin. At that time, Dennis, he had been at home caring for his wife for almost a decade, and uh, she lived another four years before she went into eternity. He was faithful to care for her all the way to the end. Yeah. Um, Think of celebrating a golden anniversary in a setting like that. Hmm. And, um, you know, the question I have for the listener is, do you want to be a blessed man? Do you want to be a blessed woman? The little statement, don't let it run, run past you too quickly. This book, the Scripture, living according to the boundaries that it places and the relationship with Almighty God that it represents, that's how you live a blessed life. Even in the midst of tragedies, deep disappointment, and profound suffering, you can be a blessed man, a blessed woman. Mm -hmm. And, And one of the questions is, are we ready for those trials when they come? You know, Dr. McQuilkin was ready because of his relationship with Christ that had been built over the years. Um, The question is, what kind of foundation are we going to have when the winds come in our direction? And one of the reasons we've encouraged couples to attend a Weekend to Remember Marriage Conference for many years is because that's a part of how you build your foundation. 
You, uh, you keep coming back to what the scriptures teach about marriage, about resolving conflict, about sexual intimacy, about communication, about uh, what a husband's responsibility is, what a wife's responsibility is. These are topics that get addressed each weekend at our Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage Conference. And we want to encourage our listeners, if you've never attended one of these conferences, uh, go on our website at familylife.com or call 1-800-FL-TODAY. Find out when the conference is coming to a city near where you live and make plans now to be a part of that weekend, to make the investment of time and resources to get away and build into the foundation of your marriage so that when you face challenges and struggles, you're ready for them. Again, if you'd like more information about the Weekend to Remember Marriage Conference, you'll find it online at familylife.com, or you can call us at 1-800-FL-TODAY. You can register online or by phone. And remember when you get in touch with us as well to uh, consider getting a copy of the book that Dr. McQuilkin wrote about his love for Muriel, a book called A Promise Kept. It'll give you additional insight into his relationship with his wife and his love for her. You can request a copy of the book from our website at familylife.com or call 1-800-FL-TODAY to find out how you can have a copy of the book, A Promise Kept, sent to you. Now, tomorrow, we're going to continue to hear from Dr. Robertson McQuilkin as he describes what life was like and how it changed when he came home to care for his wife, Muriel. I hope you can be back with us for that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, and our entire broadcast production team, On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.